Welcome to the SOB Podcast. Everything fun about family dysfunction with your hosts, Shannon Livingston and Joe Lobosco. This podcast covers it all from mobsters to motherhood and strip clubs to Sunday school with candid conversations on everything from surviving to thriving. The son of a bitch, and I'm the bitch, Shannon Livingston. And I'm the son, Joe Lobosco. You actually said your whole name this time. Thank you so much. It only took seven episodes I to like get it to, together. to mix it up. Yeah, so this episode, we're going to talk about something that isn't so intellectual, as you would put it, Joe, because apparently you don't like talking about smart things. That's, I'm not here to teach people. They can do that on their own. They cannot. Have you met people? <laughs> because it's not happening. So I won't get too deep into things, but I do tend to get a little, a little well, interesting stories. It'll be, you know, you well, got to have some background. You like this story because, as you would say, it's about my crazy family. And when we say crazy, it is not really addressing some of the mental illness that I'm sure exists because <laughs> we don't want to stigmatize that. It's fun crazy. We're all a little different. And so when you throw us all together into a mixed bag of nuts, then we end up with crazy stories. And so today uh, we are talking about house fires and how yay. my family, no, not yay, how my family had three, three house fires and you call it three and a half. Three and a half. But it wasn't. The fourth was just a smoldering. Which I consider a half. Well, the fire department did not consider that. So. So we had three house fires, and I know that that's a really odd thing, but it <laughs> no. we were terrible What's children. Is that they were still in the same house? I know. I kept saying, like, oh. haven't you seen Amityville? Like, don't you know when a house wants you out? I mean, you know, I don't even know what that house used to look like because by the time I came around, all the fires had already happened and it had been, you know, completely rebuilt. So. Which really was for the better because my mother was never a good housekeeper. So it was kind of a good solution to just be like, eh, we'll just burn it down. Just we'll just start fresh. Not that they did that on purpose. Well, my brother did. Well, it's been long enough now we can talk about it. We can tell the truth on this podcast. So the first time was when my brother uh, was eight years old mm -hmm. and he was the stepson of my father. And we had just moved. We were the secret family, by the way. I right. was uh, the secret daughter of my parents. My mother was my father's secretary. And he was still married, not to my mother, when I was born in the bathroom of their office. That's another story. So I was four years old by the time we moved in to the house with my father. Off the apartment on Troost, right? It was a house. Which, okay. The 77th which, and Troost yeah, in Kansas live City. In, if you're from Kansas City, you know where that is. I know you're just doing that. You're throwing that in to give me street cred, according to your, your friends. So anyway, he was pissed off that he was the stepson and that he had a room in the basement of this house. Yeah, it was no an shit. unfinished basement. And it was like, here's your mattress, stepchild, right? Like, you know, he would be Cinderella, I guess, maybe in, in modern days. And my father and my, my brother did not get along well. So even at eight years old, they had a lot of friction. So this resulted in one Sunday, we were playing hide and seek. And I had an older half sister that I was told about when I was four years old. Surprise, <laughs> you have a sister, another one. That Straight was a fun time. You don't know anything different. You know, when you're four, you're like, this is how it works. Okay, everybody, yeah, everybody has like surprise siblings lying around. Things, yeah. 
So we were playing hide and seek on a Saturday morning and we were hiding in the closet or I was hiding in the closet and my older sister, my older brother and my younger sister were all there. And my brother was eight. My older sister was 11 and my younger sister was a baby at that time. And so I had to come out of the closet, the hallway closet, because I smelled smoke and it it was, you know, starting to accumulate in there. And it was coming up through the ductwork, apparently from the basement Uh where my brother had his room in quotation marks. So we had to, we were in pajamas. We had to get my mother and and the baby and my father had already gone to the office. He worked uh, six days a week Mm -hmm. as an attorney downtown. And so we all get outside and we were stuck outside and and it was January. I think it was super cold and it was all ice. We were barefoot. So the mailman finally came along and there were neighbors that were outside looking at us, but because we had been the secret family and my mother had been the second wife, they were not helping us. How did they all know about that? Oh, because his first wife, when she was told, oh, hey, by the way, that baby's mine and there's another baby and then then that one's mine. And sorry about that, but we're, you know, going to need to get a divorce. And yeah, she was upset. Put the whole thing on blast. It was a small town. Right. And they were close neighbors. They had all lived there for, for years. And so... Yeah, so everybody knew. In fact, there at one point, the neighbors tried to start a petition to get us to move out. Like we had a dog, <laughs> we had a dog named Satin, and she was so uh, badly behaved Satan. that we called her Satan. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so we would be outside calling this cocker spaniel saying Satan, Satan. So they really they thought we were devil worshippers and, and terrible. But anyway. <laughs> So we get outside and the mailman stops and helps us out of the fence and and we sort it all out. But later it's discovered that it was because my brother, eight years old, had just set fire to his mattress because he was kind of upset about the the living arrangements. I mean, you know, I, I can't really blame him for that. I've been in that basement. Obviously, it, it reconstructed, you know, basement part. When there was really a room, there were walls. He didn't <laughs> yeah. have any walls, so it went up fairly quickly. Uh, there's crickets and spiders. and So they rebuilt. No, thank you. They did not really yeah, rebuild so what was the, extent the relationship. Of the damage that, for, was it like the house was totally well, gone? Well, what fire doesn't get, smoke and water. Uh-huh. And so everything is destroyed, especially right. when it's the bottom level like yeah. that and it's coming up, you know, onto everything else. So they rebuilt the house. We move in and uh, fast forward to, you know, 13 years later, I believe my younger sister, who was always described as the sweet one. I don't think I was described as anything other than the queen. Definitely not the sweet one. Yeah, not not the sweet one because I was a royal pain in the ass, they would say. So my sister was, we had one of the big console televisions Mm -hmm. that you had. And when it didn't work, you called the TV repairman. It sounds like the milkman now. It's like such an antiquated thing. But you would call the TV repairman to come out and fix your stuff. And we had the pompous grass, also very outdated. Maybe, I think, trending again. I don't Mm -hmm. know. How exciting. We had that behind the TV. And so instead of getting a flashlight with the TV repairman on the phone asking for the serial number Uh to the TV, she used a match. (laughs) Yes, with my mother supervising. And so by the time I got home, because I had to take one of my father's clients and also one of my school classmates to court that day. So, ah. so I wasn't home. Otherwise, I would have been supervising both of them. And, you know, maybe <laughs> this whole thing wouldn't have happened. I don't know. But so I get home and, you know, the whole whole place went up and there's fire trucks, I think three or four of them. And they're standing outside and I'm, you know, looking for the dog. And so lost everything. Then they rebuilt 
So that was the second time. Right. So they rebuilt from that and it was really kind of done, you know, very cool, very modern. We had the nicest house on the block for a while. And then my parents went to Vegas. Mm -hmm. They were like, wow, that was really stressful. We need to go on our trip to Vegas. I'm sure we can trust Shannon to be in charge of everything. (laughs) She's been such a responsible delight so far. And then you did what? So I had a little party. (laughs) <laughs> a little party. That is not what I, I was think told. The police later said there were, uh, it was an estimated 300 people in and out of there. And it was a smaller house, but it was the big party. And this is before cell phones. Oh, yeah. We had flyers, email. And, you know, we had a way of communicating. If there was a party going on, everybody knew about it. Sure. And I got along with everybody. So, you know, I got along with the stoners and I got along with the jocks and the, you know, everybody. Uh-huh. So it was also not good because I had all of these subgroups of people Who in my house like that other. didn't get along. Right. I thought it was great. They didn't think it was so great. And then also at that party, I might have done a little bit of acid. And so things got really out of control. Somebody got stabbed and I was at the Waffle House with my friend's car, not with any permission. I just walked outside and I was like, I think I need some hash browns. So I took my friend Dale's car. That really is a safe haven when you're in a crisis. It, it really was. I needed to be comforted. And but, you know, somebody came up to to get me and they were like, hey, by the way, you stole that car and you shouldn't <laughs> be driving. And also there's like somebody getting stabbed at your house. And so you need to, to get back. And so the police came and they broke it up and, and everything is fine. That is not when the fire happened. Now, the next day, we had to fix holes in the carpet and fix holes in the brand new wallpaper. And I don't know how to do any of these. We cleaned things. I mean, I had a crew of my friends over there and we worked to make that house spotless from that party. So we finished and we got everything done and we were all watching this movie and somebody was smoking and they put their cigarette out in an ashtray and they dumped the ashtray into a trash can that was in my closet with all of my beautiful brand new clothes that I had just bought and it all went poof, and it just went up. Okay. Now, obviously you don't have to say who it was, but do you know who it was? Her name was Marty. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know there's no chance that she's going to listen. There to we have it. Yeah. Thanks for burning down Marty our house. Marty burned the house down. <clears throat> she was a, a neighbor of ours. And so she, she burned the house down. One of my friends <laughs> almost died in there. He was unconscious yeah. and his brother had to drag him out. And it was actually, you know, quite a, a serious situation. So I think the next day my parents were coming home. And I had to have a driver. You know, my father was a large, angry man on a good day. Oh, I would not. And the house had just burned down for the third time. Are you kidding me? (laughs) And it was we we lived on, you know, my mother still lives there on a corner lot. And it's kind of situated in a way where when you come around the one street, you see the back of the house where the fire started. Right. So as soon as you came around that corner you saw that there was no house like that. You would just see the shell of the house and the part that had burned. Like that was my room, that, that back corner. Uh So that was not, not a good day. And then we lived in a hotel, I think for a while. And then in a townhouse when they rebuilt it. And then the third and a half time, was just a smoldering while they were rebuilding it from the third time. So it was almost rebuilt from the third time. Uh-huh. And my friend and I were over at the house. It was um, the electricity was on, the water was on, and they were just doing minor things and we hadn't moved in yet. And I think I was 17, 18, 
And so I said, hey, we're going to stay over at the house this weekend. We're going to get ready over there and, and just stay over there. And so they said, OK, so we're getting ready. And all of a sudden, the smoke detector starts going off. And I think, come on, like this is this is wired strangely or, you know, something. And so it turned out and um, then we started to smell like a burning smell. Oh, so God. there was no phone yet. I had to go. They hadn't put that in yet. So I had to go over to the neighbor's house and <laughs> call 911 and get the fire department. And they said, is this the Thompson house? <laughs> you know, it's bad when the fire department knows who yes. you are behind name. When oh, you're calling. I would not be surprised if they don't have a blueprint of that house framed well, on the wall. Funny story. My mother actually changed the interior of the house in between the first fire and the second fire or no the second fire and the third fire so when they went back in the blueprint was different oh, and God. she got in trouble for that that i guess you're supposed to file it or whatever uh -huh. i don't i don't know um, but they certainly thought that we were trying to burn the house down for insurance and it, what had happened later well, yeah, of course was they determined that a worker had been up in the attic and was doing something and had fallen through the insulation, which then made him fall through the ceiling in the master bedroom. He repaired the ceiling, never went back up to the attic. The work light had fallen onto the insulation and it has started to smolder. And Very unprofessional. The, enough to, well, this was not a professional crew. I mean, you've, <laughs> you've seen the condition that the house is in now. And that is because they did this horrible work. So those are the stories of my three and a half house fires. That is completely insane so what i find interesting for one thing is each child was responsible for burning the house although down. it wasn't by my hand yeah you didn't do it directly they but literally it had matches was your siblings. fault i just had a big party so, and stupid neighbor friends and and they just kept made it stick that they said this is our house and but do you think that it's meant to burn down like that uh, well apparently like, not why does the house want to burn it, and my know, parents just weren't catching on well because that's I, a lot for I one house know. no matter how bad the, the kids that are. is a lot and uh you know that that has to be some kind of local record for the same house local record is probably a Shoot. national record. same house to burn down three times without a meth lab involved yeah and it's missouri so you, you think there would would be a little math involved yeah. but there wasn't at least not on my part i don't know what my sister was doing yeah, at i can just picture some old grizzled firefighter telling this story to this rookie about this house that they had to go in and put out over and over and over again yeah but you know it is very scary of and, course it is um did you actually like how close were you to the actual fire of the fire like did all you get out all three of these times before anything really got crazy or is this like a it was very scary Hollywood situation no it was very scary the first one because we I remember opening the basement door which is so stupid if you have a house fire the worst yeah, thing to do is go deeper into the house is not good and well no you yeah, don't go deeper too. into the house you get out right so I don't but I don't know why that was necessary but oh, you um, four but I didn't open the door. Oh, okay. I just wanted to get out. And I don't know why we didn't go out the front door, but we ended up going out the back door and into the, the backyard. But there was smoke billowing up mm -hmm. and you couldn't see, you couldn't breathe and you're panicking. You know, the you're wondering what you should take and there's no time. It's so fast. Yeah. There's no time to try to stop it, to try to really grab anything. So when we were talking about this topic, you had said something about not having anything sentimental because mm -hmm. of these house fires. Yeah, it's all right. Anything that you could have had 
was obviously destroyed. But I think that, first of all, we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot of pictures and there was no family heirlooms and, you know, home my, videos. My family's not very traditional. So, uh -huh. yeah, so we didn't have a lot of that. But I think also, even the sentimental things that you hang on to, that is a form of materialism. And I still have all the memories of everything that happened, everything, you know, good and bad. I have all those memories and I don't need a ticket stub or something like that. Well, yeah, you do. But those memories will die with you because as many times as you can tell the story to someone else, you know, they weren't there. They can't picture that. Right. Because you go through a box of my grandparents' trinkets all the time. You're so interested in that. I look through the pictures quite often. It's interesting. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. Of my family and things that yeah, they've the done. Big well, you know, I mean, whatever pictures we have, a lot of them are people just sitting on the couch with a bong and a big dog. But, you know. I don't know who that would be. Also, <laughs> a few people. Some of them are still with us. Some of them not. But, you know, it's. So we were talking about materialism. Yeah. And how it really taught me how very little you need to survive. Because there were points after these fires that you have the clothes on your back. You don't have a toothbrush. You don't have, you know, if you don't have it on you, you don't have it. Yeah. So I really learned that you don't need that much. The well, you don't need that much, but should that, should basic need necessities be the mode that you're operating in every day? No. And you know that I'm all for luxury. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, I totally agree with, with being luxurious, but if you are deriving comfort from physical things, like my mother and my brother both really are kind of anxious about travel and they don't like to be away from their things, from sure. their comfort level. And it really is a thing. They they derive that comfort from those things. I don't. <laughs> and, I've noticed. And I never have. Well, I know you're upset because I go through periodic purges. Yeah. And the problem is you don't just throw away your stuff. You throw I away give my stuff. Household, like household uh, things away. I just go, eh. Yeah, no, you did house. several times. I know that's what I'm saying, but I'm done with it. And I don't, I just don't place that importance on material things. Once they've served their purpose, they've held my clothes or been a couch or whatever, you know, pass it on to the next person. Well, certain things are okay, but you know, like electronics that still work. That's a different story we streamed everything and we went digital why do we need to keep everything around yeah anyway getting back to the point you definitely do not have a lot of attachment to anything material i'm not sentimental and i'm not you're materialistic, not sentimental yeah so but, and you know why though because i think it's so freeing what i also learned was the power of reinvention and when you're looking at you have no clothes, but the clothes on your back mm -hmm. and you have to start from zero, you really think, well, what what do I want? You know, what am I going to buy? Am I going to buy the same old stuff that I had before or do I want to, you know, switch it up? And now I'm going to dress this way or that way, which I've also done when we've moved around the country to different mm -hmm. places. You dress yeah, differently no, no, for I, different places. That's definitely something that I can relate to in that aspect. Uh you know, because we moved invention. around so many times and yeah, had yeah. to start over. And so in some ways that's good, in some ways not so much. But And how not so much? Because I get so excited about the opportunity of change well, and freedom. Yeah, that, but you've also been an adult for Well, that is debatable. Thirty years. At least look like one. That's true. So uh, you know, when you're a child and you're going to a new place, that's a new school, that's new kids, that's a new social hierarchy, you know, there's a lot of and you don't feel like you dominate and master that easily. Like I you probably just walk could in. now at the yeah. my social skills at the time. No, 
Yeah. That was not good. It really is amazing how you were so awkward in your earlier years, really because of neurological differences. Most of it was. And now you can run a room and have, and you're a public speaker and you, you know, run programs at, at colleges. And so. Good job. Anna can Skywalker. And good job for me because I'm sure you what? I was I was giving myself a pat on the back. What are you talking about <laughs> over there? Some weird Star, Star Wars, Wars shit? Yeah. Well, okay. So Anakin Skywalker started up when his training started. Don't want to he hear why I'm not going to be a grandmother anymore. He was considered too old and they didn't want to train him. And yet they eventually agreed to. But the point is he started off behind the eight ball, or, you know, behind the curve. Mm-hmm. And then leapt over everyone because of he had this massive amount of potential. So you think it was all that massive potential in your brain that was squished up. And then once we released it, now you're the flower that, that you've blossomed into. Well, I mean, I had issues with social skills well after my last operation at 15 years old took me until probably junior, senior year to do the biggest thing was I just stopped caring about what everyone else thought. But you do get opportunities to reinvent yourself and, you know, they can't make fun of you for something that happened 10 years ago because they weren't there. Mm-hmm. And the old kids that you don't like that used to mess with you, you don't have to deal with them anymore. You get all new ones. But did you, were you tempted to lie? Like when you went into a new school in a new classroom, were you tempted to lie about your name or your past or were you always just like, okay, I'm just not going to say this part. I mean, I, I definitely still tweak certain things. What does that mean? Small details. You know, I might play up the whole living in the city bit a little more than, you know, I make it feel like, yeah, we did live in the city. Most all of that's true, but we moved out when I was like six. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I guess um, we did. We moved to Kansas. Yeah. Which I don't like to talk about. The Naples of Kansas. I hate Kansas. That's not nice. There are nice people in that state. There are nice people in that state, but I have no love for that place for several reasons. We can get into that because you didn't reinvent well there. Well, that that was that's where you learned. That was just going across town. That wasn't like it wasn't the same people. But well, yeah, I learned a lot of it. It was a very different environment than what I had, you know, going from a school in the city, not only a school in the city, but a school where all the grades are mixed. Because it was Montessori. Right. So, you know, you're dealing with kids that are three, four, or five years older than me at times. And you were the Um, only white kid in the class. I was the only white kid in the class 90% of the time. There were three or four other white kids there that I remember, but not a lot, which, you know, didn't bother me, but it was definitely different. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the suburbs where it's the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, the only non-white people there were Korean. And you actually felt like you didn't belong. Like that's what struck yeah, it was me weird. Yeah. was the culture was different. The culture for you. was completely different. And right. You really yeah. related more to the culture. Of they the city were, kids. yeah, they wore different kinds of jackets. They took, had different poses in their pictures. They, you know, weren't wearing flashy shoes. But so do you think if, that if we wouldn't have moved around and you wouldn't have been forced to kind of rethink who you were and what you wanted to present, do you think that you would have gone through the growth and reinvention that you have? Because I think those fires certainly forced me to think about things that otherwise I would not have. I think some of that's going to happen just, you know, because it has to, but Mm -hmm. 
probably in different ways. I'd probably be a different version of myself now had we, you know, stayed in one cert, one spot longer than we did. But giving stuff away, going back to that, because it really is, I love it so much and you get so angry about it. But so doesn't it make you feel better being more mobile? You love to travel so much. You don't want to live in Florida for your whole life. And having fewer things means you have fewer things to pack up and, and move. Yeah, I can understand that. But where I'm more selective about about the things that I choose to hold on to and the things oh, that I choose please. to get rid of. I pay storage Where, on you pay storage plastic bins of bullshit that you are never going to no, no, use. No, 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 no. Things hold you on. don't even know that exist. Pencil eraser. Time out that, here. Come on. You pay storage for your stuff. For Christmas decorations that bring me a lot of joy. Christmas, Halloween, Thanksgiving. I don't decorate for Halloween anymore because you told me that I was doing it for myself and not for you. So you know this is for you, right? I did and then not, that was it. I, and I gave all the decorations to Alexia for her daughter. The point is, most of the stuff in that storage unit is not mine. Yeah, you have half of it and it's all crap. That is, and so maybe if the storage unit burns half. down... Then you'll learn the value of not having that place an attachment is pretty sturdy. I don't know if that to could burn material down. goods. Do you think? What's going to teach you a lesson to get rid of that crap? Why is this a lesson I need to learn? Because I'm paying on the storage. Again, most of that is your stuff. Okay, we'll see. When, once know? I get the Christmas stuff out, we'll see. And all the things I have in there are things that I've collected over my childhood. You know, they're the maps from the trip to Disney World. They're, you know. Well, that's online too. Everything is digital now. Not my 10th birthday. That's not online. Yeah, well, sure. Just email those pictures to yourself and then it's online. Do you need yeah, the hard gosh. copy of everything? Well, and what happens when the Russians or whoever shuts our system down? They're going to be so interested in your 10th birthday. And that's everything. how they're going to take no, down I'm the country. No, I'm saying when it all the goes. The grid is going down when it because all they goes have dark. All of that's gone. No. It's just data. No. And, you know, we live in a hurricane state. And so all of that, like, I don't have to give our shit away. It may just float away someday. I, well, I did think about that when we were, you know, when we evacuated. So you better digitize. Because, yeah, we're evacuating again. I'm not. I'm I not can't digitize that autographed baseball I got from spring training. That doesn't go Well, they the have computer. 3D stuff now. <laughs> we'll get you some help with the technology. You know, I like my stuff. Were you just That's speechless just then? Thing. You were like kind of quiet. You no, were almost I'm speechless. thinking about what to say next. I, I, I'm thinking about tater tots. I don't feel like collecting souvenirs, so to speak, from your life is being materialistic. I feel, you know, holding on to stupid stuff. All the stuff that you hang on to is stupid. That's my point. But I'm not going to keep going back and forth oh with this God. about it because we're not going to agree. The point is that that we really wanted to make with this episode is that sometimes tragedies like losing everything mm -hmm. materialistically, we're very fortunate that no one, no person and no animal died in those fires because uh, it did get very close. That having the loss of everything can be really valuable lesson that there can be good in that tragedy and it can teach you that things do not bring happiness that it is more important to spend your time with people and building memories rather than a portfolio and that reinvention is is an option for everyone all the time you can wake up any day and say okay like when you were in third grade and you said i'm not joey anymore i'm joe now I'm Joe. And yeah, now look no, at you. I, you're Joe. I, You've been Joe for all these years. I understand the point that you're trying to make. But, Not trying. I did make it very well. Uh-huh. But I think where we differ is because there always has to be a differ. Can I'm you not, just agree with me about no. one thing? I'm right on this. 
How, what could you possibly you're right disagree because with? You just think you're right because you're the one saying it. I just it. think there's nothing that you could possibly disagree with what I just said. What do you disagree with? If you let me talk, I'm I'll tr- tell you. Go ahead. You're spending time prefacing. God damn. So That's not nice. <laughs> you shouldn't say that to your mother. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like you think that I'm putting all of this emotional dependency onto these things. Yes. That is not what's happening. What is happening? It's just You're going to eBay it all and no, pay for my grandchildren's just, college. You know, it's for nostalgia's sake. Each one of those things. But that's exactly what nostalgia is. It's emotional story, attachment to stuff. Has a story attached to it. Yes, that's emotion. So you can't say that one doesn't exist, yet that is exactly what exists. I didn't say exists. there was an emotion attached. I said I'm not dependent on that. Mm-hmm. It's just nice for me to have. Okay. Because these are things that I've acquired over my life. Right. through experiences that I've had. If they all get destroyed, they all get destroyed. You know, the shit happens, I understand. But, you know, I I just, I like to collect stuff. You've seen my wall. Yes, I know. So I really am thinking about tater tots now. And I okay. think that that is, I know I can't stop because I know that they're right over here in this barbecue place that's close by. And once I know that barbecue and tater tots are in close proximity, that's it. I'm, oh, okay. So yeah, uh, what? we'll get back to tater tots in a minute, but I'm ready to close it out. You got something else? Yeah. I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on how much your environment shapes your personality. So like what we talked about. Oh, with going so before to you're going to contribute what's in storage, and, and now that I'm ready and, to to wrap it up, you're like, here's a thoughtful thing. Yeah, no, you didn't wear your watch either. So what was the question again? I was being too snarky. Go yeah, ahead. I'm aware. So, you know, how much does your environment, if that changes, shape who you are and who you, you know, develop into versus just your innate characteristics well i think that nature and nurture is going to be an ongoing argument discussion whatever because there's part of me that has always been there you know Mm -hmm. my my friend was commenting on my birthday about how when she met me in middle school i was wearing a white suit and kitten heels (laughs) and so then that was middle school that sounds about right and right i mean I, i like a good suit that's who i am i'm always overdressed for things but that's it's really who i am but also, I, I have tailored things for, you know, if I have lived in Chicago, there there's a different way that you dress than if you live in Naples, Florida. And it's mm-hmm. not just the weather. Yeah, there is a certain expectation. And plus, I've always believed in dress for the job that you want, not the one that you have. Only I apply that to life dress for the life that you want and not the one that you have. And I think that that has worked out for me because then people just assume that that's the case. And then before you know it, that's the case. You're in a suit. You have a nice life and everybody's happy. So you just walk around like it's a Kentucky Derby 80 years ago and. No, I, gets people to I take spend too much of my hair to wear a hat. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. But no, I, I think that it's an even mix. I think that people are who they are. They're going to be attracted to certain places. They're going to find their way. They're going to, you know, dress for that. They're going to speak that way. You know, I'm from Missouri, but I should say Missouri. And there are times when my twang comes out a little bit more and times when I tuck it in. And so we all kind of decide who we are moment to moment. I've been told that parts of my accent come out the more alcohol I have. I don't know how true that is. Yes, as a mother, I don't want to hear that. Apparently, gets more Southern the more I have to drink. And I don't want to hear that damn cup anymore either. So that thing you're not. So did that answer your question? Yes, it did. Thank you. I'm in charge of me. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I didn't say in control, but I'm in charge. (laughs) I might want to work on that. (laughs) I have authority over me. It's just not going well. Uh huh. 
All right. So that is a good place to wrap it up. I'm going to go have some tater tots, but I think we covered some good ground and probably embarrassed my family, but it's the truth. The truth is the truth. I can't help that. They didn't do anything that wasn't repaired. Well, I mean, the whole house, it was, it might look a little different now, but it's still there in some form. She's still living there. I still kind of expect a fire to happen in that house. Like I kind of expect it to like be the last chapter. Aren't you always the one saying, don't put that energy out there. I know. I don't want to manifest no fire, no fire. Okay. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure someone will be arrested for arson. If that house got burned down again. They were really looking at me during that small Like We were there alone and they were like, this does not make any sense. So, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Peace, love, and try not to burn your house down. Please make sure to download and listen to SOB on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to like and share on social media. This has been a Studio 239 production.